Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. A lot on our program today. Just you and me, no guests today, but we've got a lot to talk about. I want to start out with the myth of the lone wolf shooter. We'll get to that in just a moment. And Elise Stefanik, the Republican caucus chairwoman, and other Republicans have been pushing this replacement theory that seems to have inspired this murderous terrorist. Second, I want to get into my op-ed today over at HartmanReport.com, which is also touches on this topic. It's, it's why those people who want to destroy America always first go after trust, societal trust, trust in each other, trust, you know, trust, period. So a lot to talk about. I want to start out with this whole idea that, oh, lone shooters, I don't recall who it was, but somebody tweeted, might have been Jeff Tiedrich, I knew the shooter was white when they reported that he was taken alive, right? It's like, of course. And he's being described in the media as a lone wolf. He's, it, this guy is not a lone wolf. He's part of a pack. He's got a club. He's got peeps. He's got a support network. You know, the National Rifle Association making sure, and the Republican Party making sure that he had access to a semi-automatic weapon of war that he could walk into a supermarket with, number one. Number two, you've got an entire Nazi, white supremacist, racist element within American society that literally goes back to the founding of the Republic that radicalized this person, if that's the right word. I mean, I, I suppose you have to have a certain well, I was going to say you have to have a certain uh, proclivity or tendency to begin with, but frankly, I think that white supremacy and the tendency among white people to view people of color as inferior to them is so endemic in our society that really that's, you know, one of the main places we need to be looking is at our society. And, and of course, he had a fan club. I mean, he, he was live streaming this thing on television. Um, that should tell you an awful lot. And let's call this what it was, or what it is, terrorism. 
This is a white person going out to kill as many black people as possible. In fact, now it's coming out that he didn't intend to stop at the supermarket, that he intended to walk down the street and kill as many black people as he could. He was in a part of town that was 1% white. And he picked that place, that part of Buffalo, intentionally drove hours to get there with all of his weapons. The, the Topps supermarket. But he left behind a manifesto, which is telling, shall we say, some of the other notorious mass murderers of non-white people in history also left behind manifestos. Adolf Hitler wrote one in 1924. There's a long rambling screed about how Jews were driving a replacement in Germany, yes, Adolf Hitler promoted white replacement theory in Mein Kampf. In fact, it's the essence of Mein Kampf. And then, of course, Anders Breivik, the, the, uh, the guy who murdered 71 kids in, in Norway. White replacement theory. And he had a manifesto. He was followed by, you know, uh, Brenton Tarrant, uh, who... Uh, in Christchurch, New Zealand, who massacred 51 people in a mosque, left behind a lengthy manifesto. This is not something new or original. These guys are playing out a script that goes back to the 1920s and arguably long before that. You know, blood libel against Jews is something that goes back literally thousands of years. And, and the belief of, uh, in particular, of white people believing that everybody else is inferior to them, but just generally speaking, um, uh, racial hatreds or fears are as old as the human race. And uh, this guy's just using it. The first 10 pages of his manifesto, the, the uh, what do you call him, the buffalo shooter, the, uh, the buffalo terrorist, the white supremacist, the first 10 pages of his manifesto uh, were basically an argument for why white people are smarter than black people. The whole su supposed IQ gap that is the, the subject of the, the, the book, The Bell Curve. And he also made the argument, weirdly, that while Black people are dumb. They're also really smart when it comes to crime. It makes no sense, but these things very rarely makes, makes sense. But his point in his first 10 pages was to build this case that black people couldn't be behind the, the, the replacement theory. Keep in mind, this is a theory, like I said, it animated Adolf Hitler. It was the basis of Nazism in Germany in the 30s. It animated Anders Breivik. It was the basis, this was 20 years ago, of the, of the uh, assassination uh, of 70, over 70 people in Norway. It, I mean, this is spread around the world. This happened in Christchurch, New Zealand. This has happened in multiple places now in the United States. And their theory is that, well, you know, we're trying, that, that, White people are being replaced by non-white people, but the non-white people are not smart enough to do this themselves. So there must be a super smart group of people who are very, very evil, and that would be, of course, in, in, the, in the sick and twisted minds of these people, the Jews. And that's the essence behind this. Now, in 2017, remember when Donald Trump said there's very good people on both sides about the uh, Unite the Right rally? 
The Unite the Right rally was all about bringing together these disparate elements of the right wing. Bring in the Klan, bring in the Nazis, bring in the, bring in the anti-Semites, bring in the, you know, anybody they could find. Bring in the haters, bring in the homophobes. Let's unite the right. And what did they chant? Jews will not replace us. They weren't talking about Jews replacing them as in taking their jobs. They were talking about this supposed Jewish conspiracy to import people who reproduce at startling rates, people of color, into the United States to replace white people. That's what they were talking about. Let's just be upfront about this. This theory has gone mainstream. This is the theory that Tucker Carlson was promoting on Fox so-called news and, and Laura Ingram promoting on Fox so-called news that was signed off on, in fact, encouraged after the fact by, by uh, Rupert Murdoch's son, who's now running Fox News or running that division. In 2011, Dylan Roof's mass murder of black churchgoers in Charleston, South Carolina, 2015 Tree of Life Synagogue uh, killings. Uh, I'm sorry, that was in 2015. Tree of Life Synagogue killings in 2018. The murder of 23 people, mostly immigrants in El Paso, Texas in 2019. I mean, this has been going on a long time, and Tucker Carlson and the right wing have been mainstreaming this to the point now that the number three Republican in the House of Representatives, Elise Stefanik, is also, she was actually buying advertisements on Facebook promoting white replacement theory or the so-called great replacement theory. This is the number three Republican in the House of Representatives buying advertisements on Facebook promoting the replacement theory. Tucker Carlson, you know, won't just come right out and say Jews are behind it. Instead, he talks about this pro-black ideology, critical, critical race theory that was created by the Frankfurt School. Well, the Frankfurt School, it's Jewish Marxist intellectuals from the 30s. And uh, his, his phrase was, I believe that was, oh no, uh, it was Anders Brevik. His phrase was cultural Marxism. White replacement theory is not just an attack on black people or Hispanic people or Asian people or native people. It is a weapon, as Jason Stanley writes in his newsletter this morning, it is a weapon directed by fascists at American democracy itself. Excuse me, he wrote that over at The Guardian. And, I mean, this is, I was going to say beyond the pale, but this is now normal in America. And we know where this leads. We've seen this in other countries. We've seen this throughout history. Well, hell, we saw this here, too. This is in some ways an echo of the late 1870s after the election was, was uh, thrown to the House of Representatives all to stab African-Americans in the back. End Reconstruction and, and, you know, bring us this situation today. So what do we do about this? Okay, I mentioned Elise Stefanik. She's been peddling the uh, so-called Great Replacement Theory. Uh, now she's got a new rant about baby formula. I mean, this just another another crazed uh, rant from the GOP. Here she says, 
The White House, House Dems, and usual pedo grifters are so out of touch with the American people that rather than present any plan or urgency to address the nationwide baby food, baby formula crisis, they double down on selling, sending pallets of formula to the southern border. Joe Biden has no plan. That's your quote. This is the number three person in leadership in the House of Representatives, in Republican leadership, calling the White House and House Democrats pedophiles and saying that there is no plan to address the baby food shortage. Actually, you know, Biden has called people together. He gave a speech about it. He's been talking about it. They're, they're, the problem, frankly, and, and, you know, let's be very clear about this. The problem, frankly, is twofold. Number one, Donald Trump changed our trade policies to make it really difficult to import things from Canada. Finished manufactured products like baby formula. So we can't import it right now. And, I mean, and this is an actual trade agreement. This was the, you know, his new and improved NAFTA, remember, Donald Trump? I mean, this is now the law of the land. It's not like, you know, you can just go around that. And number two, you've got four multinational conglomerates that own the entire or the vast majority of the baby food or baby formula market. And one of them, Abbott Laboratories, had, uh, you know, had a, a bacterial infection in one of their production lines in Michigan that killed two babies and sickened a, a bunch of others. So they had, they've been shut down for four months trying to find the source of that infection. And to the best of my knowledge, they still haven't found it. Which is why they're saying, you know, this could last for another year. And then Stefanik says, oh, and, he, and there's, we're sending pallets of them to the, to the southern border. No, we're not. Yeah, there were some supplies down there for, uh, you know, refugees who have babies who get caught. But, I mean, this is, this is just so over the top. This is what Republicans do because they have nothing for the American people. The only, the, the, you talk about actual policy, Senator Rick Scott, the, 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 the guy who is in charge of the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee, the RSCC, his job is to get Republicans elected to the United States Senate. He came out with an 11-point manifesto. His plan to, to, to what Republicans will do if they take over, take, take power in America. Now, Mitch McConnell famously and the entire Republican Party for the last six years have refused to tell us what they would do if they had power. Seriously, they refuse to tell us. There is no Republican platform. But Rick Scott came out and said, yeah, what we need to do is raise taxes in the bottom half of Americans who aren't paying income taxes. They all need to be paying taxes. And we need to put a provision into federal law that says that all programs sunset after five years if Congress doesn't, you know, automatically if Congress doesn't stop it including Social Security and Medicare. This is the Republicans' plan. End Social Security, end Medicare, increase taxes on working people. Now, they don't want you to hear about that. They don't want you to know about that. So what are they doing? They're screaming about baby food pallets to the southern border and, and, and uh, you know, all this weird, weird stuff including the so-called Great Replacement Theory that has now led to the death of 10 people, the wounding of three more, in the most recent attacks in the United States. It seems to me, I asked before, they're kind of a semi-rhetorical question, I suppose, what do we do about this? It seems to me, number one, we call it out. 
we label it as poison. We make it socially unacceptable. And then after that, what do we do? That's something we can talk about. We'll be right back with your calls. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. So Elise Stefanik is furious, furious, I tell you, that the media is pointing out that she has been promoting the so-called white replacement theory or great replacement theory or just replacement theory, the Tucker replacement theory, whatever you want to call it. She was running an ad on Facebook that said, and, and, and in fact, by the way, uh, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? I just, I just posted this on uh, uh, I just retweeted on Twitter. Parker Malloy, I, who I follow on Twitter, just posted the actual ads, Elise Stefanik's actual ads, that she's out here going, I never said that. I didn't do that. It's not my fault. One of the ads says, radical Democrats are planning their most aggressive move yet, a permanent election insurrection. Their plan to grant amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants, million is in all caps, will overthrow our current electorate and create a permanent liberal majority in Washington. Yes, overthrow our current electorate. In other words, brown people replace white people. Then Rep Representative Matt Gates, her colleague, tweets, Tucker Carlson is correct about replacement theory as he explains what is happening in America. Then Scott Perry, the chair of the so-called House Freedom Caucus. I call him the Cokehead Caucus, but whatever. Um, because they, you know, take so much money from, from the Koch brothers, uh, various enterprises. Uh, this is the chair of the House Freedom Caucus, Representative Scott Perry. He said, quote, we're replacing national-born American, native-born Americans to permanently transform the political landscape of this very nation. 
40% of Republicans agree with the statement, quote, there is a group of people in this country who are trying to replace native-born Americans with immigrants who agree with their political views. 40% of Republicans believe this replacement theory. As Max Boot writes for the Washington Post, a few hours after the Buffalo shooting, Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters posted a video saying, quote, the Democrats want open borders so they can bring in an amnesty, tens of millions of illegal aliens. That's their election strategy. J.D. Vance says Democrats are not only opening the borders to create a, quote, shift in the Democratic makeup of this country, end quote, but that Biden is deliberately letting, letting fentanyl into the country, quote, to kill a bunch of MAGA voters in the middle of the heartland, end quote. So now J.D. Vance is taking it a step further. No, it's not. we're not just trying to replace all the white people in America. We're trying to kill all the white people in America, these, these horrible liberals, right? Right. And the Jews who are with them, right? This is beyond sick and twisted. It's just beyond sick and twisted. Tony in Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Tony, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening to SiriusXM. Hey, glad to be part of the show. I, I listened to the, the Gwen Stefanics, and but it's really so, it's bigger. It's part of American history, you know, to have this level of hatred. And while they're saying that they're after the white people, it's really the white people that's doing the killing. And it's amazing that... Right, and it's amazing that these, like these last two kids, the, the Emanuel Church shooter and this other guy over the weekend, these guys have killed like 18 or 19 people and don't have a scratch. But yet, a black guy gets killed for a busted tail, like, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just think it's part of America. And my, my question to you, Tom, is um, this, people have come and gone over these 400 years. So how do, who keeps this thing going? Is it the dark money? Is it the cult? People like the cult. Who keeps it going? Generation. Uh, oh, by the way, we cannot talk about history because they have this thing against book bans. So can we really? <laughs> right. right. It's tragic, Tony. Uh, I'll tell you, in my opinion, what and who is keeping this this all alive. And I think it's it's pretty. It's a very very important question. First of all, you've got. You know, uh, it's, it's kind of a variation on what Lyndon Johnson famously said back in 1963, where he said, if you tell the lowest white man that he's higher than the highest black man, he'll let you pick his pocket all day long. And, and uh, so there's always been this, uh, always, in, since the 1600s in the United States, there has been an attempt by white people to characterize themselves as superior to black people, first to justify enslaving black people, and, and then to justify living, you know, separate segregation uh, all the way up to the 1950s, 1960s, and, and now uh, to, as a political justification, number one. Number two, you've got political parties who see this as a potent political force, the, specifically the Republican Party, although at one time it was the Democratic Party prior to the 1960s. Um, on this day in history, George Wallace won the Michigan primary. Uh, let us not forget the Democratic primary, but we'll get to that in the third hour. But number two, you've got a political party that sees this as something that can help them win elections because all they've got to offer the American people is they're going to raise taxes on working class people and they're going to end Medicare and Social Security. So they've got to come up with something else. Oh, look, there's a black person over there. Look out. Um, so, that, you know, that's their strategy. And, and then okay. number three, Let's you've got, you, you, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you, Tony, in just a second. But, and then number three, you've got a bunch of really, really rich people who are, and big corporations who are funding that Republican Party, who is using that racism. 
and they're funding them because they want tax breaks and they want deregulation that'll increase their profits. And they don't care what the Republican Party does to stay in power, uh, just so long as they get their tax breaks and their deregulation. Back to you, Tony. Okay, well, one other point is one of the things that the guy mentioned in his manifesto, and one of the biggest things I think is that black people are dumb, or if, but they never say they was against the law to read for 240, 246 years. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you, one plus one is two. If you tell people, matter of fact, the people that built the colleges, did they, did they award anybody in their lineage or scholarship to those colleges? No, they died right. and, and built all these colleges. Now, when I was coming up before this quote-unquote wokeness, I used to say, wow, this college was built in 1865. Man, what a history. What a legacy. Oh, my God. But now you find out slaves built them. Right. And now we're just coming around to admitting some of the schools have. I wish we but see America. I don't think it'll never get to the core. I really don't because it's so uh, pervasive and it's part of our history and the Supreme Court has definitely done their part. So I just think it's, I don't think we were, you know, we, you know, it took a civil war just to get out of slavery. So I don't want nothing like that. But what can we do in 2022? And every time we try to do anything to try to help those people, man, everything goes crazy. Yeah. Oh my God, it's a liberal society. Yeah, I know. I know, Tony, it's, it's, uh, we help make America great. Yeah, there you go. Right? There you go. Uh, yeah, black people built this country, and, and that's not an exaggeration. And, and, and the North as well, by the way. The, the wealth of the North came out of the cotton of the South, um, and that came out of the labor of black people. Tony, thank you. Thank you for the call. Bruce in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Bruce, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Shame on us if we're not taking the slogan pro-life back from these people after the shootings and with climate and everything else. We, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, but we need to be throwing that back in their face that we are the pro-life party, right? Yeah. And the other thing is, as a vegetarian for 23 years, I'm probably more pro-life than they are. We need to be throwing that back in their face. There you go. Yeah. Well said, Bruce. All right. Thank well you. said. Thank you. Joseph in Huntington Beach, California. Hey, Joseph, what's up? Hi, Tom. First of all, I would like to say something real quickly. Ted Cruz won his lawsuit in the U.S. Supreme Court. I know. It's, they, they just expanded Citizens United is what they did this morning. Yeah. Okay. Here's my question for you. My question is, you have oligarchs and you have theocrats. Do you think there will be a war between the oligarchs and the theocrats coming? What no, I think, think they found common cause. They have united along with the racists. You've got the oligarchs, the theocrats, and the racists, and they've all united around and within the Republican Party to try to end democracy in the United States. And I never thought I'd say that, and I never thought I'd say it so matter-of-factly, but it is fairly obvious. Okay, one, one more quick thing. Remember, Devin Nunes lost his seat, right? And there's another one, Steele, Amy Steele. She was in Orange County. I live in Orange County. Mm -hmm. Katie Porter is now my uh, <clears throat> congresswoman. Right. And I've been giving her money before she became my congresswoman, because I think she's the smartest woman in the House. And I think uh, if, if something happens to Dianne Feinstein, I think uh, they should appoint her onto the onto the uh, U.S. Senate. Yeah, well, there's an incredible so list. Smart. I mean, I, I, I agree with you that Katie Porter is, if not the, certainly one of the smartest people in Congress. She's also uh, media savvy. She, she knows what she's doing. She knows how, and she's fearless. 
Um, but you've got, but but when that happens, I, and Dianne Feinstein is going to be leaving the Senate, you know, eventually. I mean, it, it may yeah. not happen for a year or two, but um, uh, frankly, I think it needs to happen sooner rather than later. But um, it, there's there's some great people who are kind of queuing up to be in that line. Obviously, Katie Porter is one of them. I would say Rokana is one of them. I think probably Adam Schiff is one of them. There are some really good high. about Adam Schiff. You're right. Adam Schiff is a wonderful person. Yeah, there's some really good high-profile Democrats uh, in California who could run for that seat. Joseph, I got to run, but thank thank you you for the call. Um, Yes, (laughs) the Democrats of the pro-life party, they're not the ones who are saying, oh, we need more, we need more semi-automatic weapons for people to walk into supermarkets and kill people with. Yes. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Juanita in Presser, Washington. Hey, Juanita, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, have you been... There was a hearing on the abuse of the Native American children recently on C-SPAN, and this is where these children were taken to the boarding schools, and they were literally Native American children. Right. Literally stripped of their, their culture, they were uh, punished for speaking their language, and, and this was done through the government and religious organizations. Yes. And these, and many of these children were abused. Now, who's t- trying to replace who in that case? Oh, that's an excellent and point. The, you want replacement theory? Look and, at what we did to the Native Americans. Right, and it, this was going on up to 1970. I know. Yeah. And and no one speaks about that. So, in fact, the governor of the state of Oklahoma has warned the tribal people in Oklahoma about don't even think about allowing abortion clinics on your land. Oh, I know. I, hey, he, and he's got 40 tribes in the state. It's it's nuts. Juanita, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kenyatta in Los Angeles. Hey, Kenyatta, what's on your mind? Well, there's quite a bit on my mind, but I'm going to try to keep it pithy, sir. Okay. I read your op-ed uh, over at opednews.com the other day, uh, over the weekend, by the way. Gr- great writing. But back to you. Thank you, sir. Uh, speaking of that piece, one of the things that I talk about in that piece, and I'm not. this is not self-promotion, is that as black people in the United States, we, uh, we live in existence where we look at everything in reverse. Everything. The young man that was uh, a murdered execution style in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which isn't far from where you grew up yeah, uh, and a place where I've been before, uh, he was he was shot point blank range in the back of the head. What we do as black people, we say, could that happen if that was a black officer doing that to a white guy? We look at the shooting in Buffalo. This man goes in and he kills multiple people, a mass shooting, racially motivated. And the first thing, it's racism on top of racism. The first thing that came out was, well, we're going to make sure that he gets life for the official uh, from the prosecution that are going to be prosecuting this case. Tell me where a black man has gone in and killed 11 white people and his black ass didn't die. Matter of fact, he dies if he wolf whistles at a white woman as an Emmett Till. Right. They talked this kid down. He, he came out with all these guns and they talked him down and got him to put down the guns. I, I, I wouldn't see that happening if he was wearing a turban or if his skin was much darker. 
Yeah, but but I'm I'm not what what one thing that I'm uh, and and I don't mean to be rude, I'm, but 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 this uh, this bifurcation of well, the blacks is just, you know you had a caller that said well the American uh, the Native Americans. My maternal grandmother was a Cherokee Indian. My maternal great grandmother. I understand that, but they were already here. The only people dragged to this nation against their will is us. The only people in this country that it was illegal to teach to read and write. They did they even though they took tried to take their culture. They at least tried to put them in schools. The only people that it was taught that it was illegal to teach to read and write was us. They had, they had to they had to pass legislation in the Church uh, uh, Arson Prevention Act because so many of our churches were being bombed. Little girls, four little girls. Joan Baez wrote a song about it. Bombed in church. No black man has ever done that. And you spoke of Lyndon Baines Johnson. Lyndon Baines Johnson lauded for the uh, uh, Civil Rights Act, called it the, the N-word bill. So, you know, this discussion is perpetually dishonest, and I'm just totally tired of it, Tom. Okay. It happens over and over. All right. I got yeah. it. Uh, you know, okay. Thanks, yeah, I got to run. I'm sorry, but thank you. What are we going to pick up here? Oh, democracy. why democracy's enemies always want to destroy trust. Stick around. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. My rant today over at HartmanReport.com is titled, Why Democracy's Most Relentless Enemies Always First Try to Destroy Trust. And it starts out pointing out that the crisis with the Supreme Court, and there's, there's multiple ones now. They're, they're about to rule in a gun case, too, and they just uh, you know, expanded Citizens United this morning. Uh, but the crisis with the Supreme Court, the racist shooter in, uh, mass shooter in Buffalo, the Republican primary candidates all trying to one-up each other on who's more willing to throw out votes in 2024 and are hitting a million COVID deaths all share something in common, and that is a lack of trust in our society. Donald Trump destroyed our trust. 
in so many ways. Our society is coming unraveled in so many ways. For example, there was a fascinating piece in the New York Times over the weekend arguing that, well, they came right out and said it. If the United, this is a quote from this piece in the New York Times on Saturday or Sunday. If the United States had the same COVID death rate as Australia, about 900,000 lives would have been saved. We're about to hit a million. 900,000 of those people did not need to die. But Donald Trump politicized it. And then when they looked deeper into this, they said, and this is, again, a quote from this piece in the Times, dozens of interviews, along with survey data and scientific studies from around the world, point to a life-saving trait that Australians displayed from the top of government to the hospital floor and that Americans have shown they lack trust in science and institutions, but especially in one another. This whole promotion of replacement of the, of the white replacement theory, destroy trust in each other. I mean, this is, you know, Tucker Carlson has turned this into an industry. This all, much of this in its current incarnation, this assault on trust in the United States, not, not so much the specifics of it, obviously racism and racially motivated murders have been with us from the founding of the Republic, et cetera. But, uh, and, you know, and so many of these other pieces that I'm talking about that don't have to do with the race, that's my, et cetera. Um, all, you know, all predated the 1980s. But really in the 1980s, what happened was a campaign to destroy our trust in government. Prior to the 1980s, the vast majority of Americans trusted government at least to be able to do some things. And much of that trust has been shattered. This, this uh, was a campaign that was uh, kicked off by Lewis Powell in 1971 with his famous Powell memo by a bunch of, you know, basically rich white guys. And, and their goal initially wasn't to destroy America. It was simply to get their taxes reduced and reduce regulation on their businesses so that they could keep up their profits, even if, you know, people died in car crashes because they didn't have safe cars or, you know, uh, people died from, you know, unsafe food, you know, et cetera. But to get enough people to vote for politicians who would cut their taxes and who would deregulate their toxic factories... They brought in the religious fanatics, the white supremacists, and insecure men obsessed with guns. And their main message? Well, Ronald Reagan said it over and over and over again. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Their main message was, you can't trust government. You can't trust the American government. Reagan said this over and over. Reagan went so far as to say there's no good people in government because if they were good, they would have been hired by private industry. Another meme that the, that the libertarian right loves to, loves to quote. Of course, in his first State of the Union address in, in 1981, his, uh, you know, uh, Reagan just came right out and said the problem, government is not the solution to our problems, government is the problem. And so, then seeing this dynamic at play, that an entire political party was trying to destroy Americans' faith in American institutions and in America, Putin gets into the act and says, yeah, let's, let's uh, double down on that. Let's piggyback on that and promote mistrust, promote conspiracy wackos, and promote the racists in the United States. Because he knew knows, I guess would be the proper word, he's still around, 
that if you want to destroy a nation, you simply destroy its people's trust in each other and their trust in their government. So their goal was to pit Americans against each other and weaken our democracy and thus our example to the world, which makes Russia look bad, right? Hey, everybody wants to be like America, not like Russia. And the first major victory that Putin and his friends within the GOP and the NRA had with this regard, in this regard was putting Donald Trump in the White House in 2016. You know, the billionaires really just wanted politicians who would dance to their tune. Well, that's all Putin wants, too. And that's, that's what Trump tried to deliver. He tried to destroy NATO. He tried to destroy the European Union. He tried to destroy America. He certainly destroyed our trust. Trust is the most important commodity a government has. It, it, it even defines the, the stability and value of its currency. It's essential to a functioning society. So when Donald Trump and Paul Manafort and Vladimir Putin decided that they were going to destroy America, they aimed their efforts at the single most important part of any nation's ability to survive, trust. Trump destroyed our trust in, in that our leaders would behave with integrity and not lie to us by telling over 30,000 documented lies during his four years in office, including lies about COVID that led to 900,000 unnecessary deaths. He destroyed our trust in our election systems, which will make a coup much easier the next time his followers want to try to overthrow an election. He destroyed our trust in each other with his racist, xenophobic, and misogynist rhetoric and policies. Yeah, I know it was bad before. It's worse now. He destroyed the trust the rest of the world had in America by pulling us out of the Iran nuclear deal and the Paris Climate Agreement, by trying to blackmail Ukraine, and by working to destroy NATO. Putin daily tries to destroy America's trust in each other with an army of bots and trolls running social media campaigns who are supporting domestic terrorism, who are su supporting medical crackpots, who are supporting violent racists. The right-wing media in this country does everything they can on a daily basis to destroy Americans' trust in each other, particularly across racial lines and gender lines. Most recently, they're using our children and our schools as their foils. Meanwhile, for 40 years, the Republican Party took blood money and election support from the weapon industry's front group, the NRA. The result last year was 45,000 gun deaths in America. The entire European Union, which has 100 million more people than the United States, had only 7,000 gun deaths last year, and most of those were suicides. No other country in the world regularly has mass shootings like we do here in America. School children can no longer trust in their own safety, particularly since the Supreme Court's corrupt Heller decision. Trust is further collapsing as the institutions we've historically relied on are turning against American values. Two presidents who were rejected by a majority of American voters put four right-wing fanatics on the Supreme Court. Those justices are now taking political positions with which the majority of Americans disagree. Abortion is the most recent example, but there are others. This morning, they, they said, oh yeah, Ted Cruz, no problem. We'll loosen the campaign finance rules for you, which is further diminishing Americans' trust in government and our, and our political institutions. Meanwhile, you've got giant fossil fuel companies who are trying to make as much money as they can as fast as they can, trying to destroy trust by cli funding climate denial.
gaslighting us about how they themselves are trying to go green. You got massive insurance and pharmaceutical companies ripping us off on a daily basis and then pouring so much of that corrupt money back into the political system that Americans, excuse me, believe we're helpless to do anything about it. You got hedge funds and banksters who are getting rich at the expense of trusting communities and average Americans by exploiting, exploiting loopholes that their that there are very own politicians have drilled into our regulatory system. We're literally the only country in the world where you can go massively into debt just trying to go to college in a state school. We're also the only developed country in the world where a half a million people lose their homes and go completely bankrupt every year because somebody in the family got sick. Our Citizens United pay-to-play system of politics has broken our trust. We don't even trust the media anymore. I mean, Les Moonves came right out and said, yeah, Donald may be terrible for America, but he sure is making money for CBS. Go, Donald. Our social media companies use algorithms that amplify outrage, anger, and hate to enhance their profits. We're seeing this loss of social trust as a result of the, the uh, social media companies doing this, showing up in everything from teenage suicide statistics to the January 6th attempt to murder Mike Pence. And now Trump and Putin are working to convince Republican lawmakers to abandon a fellow democracy, Ukraine, with useful idiots like Rand Paul and the Republicans in the House. Over 50 Republicans voted no on aid to Ukraine in the House last week. Rand Paul held it up for a whole week. They're voting on it today instead of last week because of one guy, Rand Paul. The guy who did the secret trip to Russia to hand deliver a note to Putin from Trump. Remember that? Political dark money and religious hatred. This stuff is poison. This is like heroin in our bloodstream, in the bloodstream of our nation. It numbs us for a while and then eventually it kills us. We once outlawed this kind of stuff, dark money. We once had trust in this country, or at least, you know, some trust. The next two elections may be our last chance to elect people who we can trust. So get up there, get active, tag, you're it. And uh, welcome back, George in Cripple Creek, Virginia. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Hey, John, how you doing, Tom? You were Good. talking about that, you know, great replacement theory going back to uh, Hitler's Mein Kampf. Yeah. Well, it goes back even further than that. Are you familiar with the uh, secret protocols of the learned elders of Zion? Yeah, this was put together by the head of uh, the Tsar's uh, internal yeah, no. secret uh, police in, what, 1910, yeah, no. 1912? Right, exactly. And it, you know, even to this day, this, so it's been discredited. People still believe in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was the cornerstone of Hitler's uh, propaganda efforts was exactly. the, the protocols of the elders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. George, thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. You, you're absolutely right. Good work. Yeah, thank you. It is more than 100 years. And of course, you know, anti-Semitism and blood libel against Jews goes back way more than 100 years. Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, what's on your mind today? Hey, you know what, Tom? I was going to let you go to later in the week, but when you mentioned uh, President Johnson, remember President Johnson, my boy, if you can convince the lowest white man that he is better than the highest black man, he will allow you to pick his pocket. Remember that comment earlier? I do. You're absolutely correct. Uh, I've got a kid. I'm not bragging on this kid, all right? But I've got a kid. She gave a speech to 200 other AP students. I think she was 15 at the time. And her conversation or her speech was about how racism is used as a tool. And it manipulates people. 
And the reason why the upper class folks and corporations and things like that are very dependent upon manipulating people is because they do not want a progressive income tax. So we always are dealing with false narratives, right on? Mm -hmm. um, the big stuff we never get to because we're lost in this little stuff. Don, I, I was having a week, but uh, Tom, when you said that about Johnson, I said I had to call. And I remember that talk that my daughter gave about, you know, how racism is used as a tool to manipulate people, and it blinds us from what we really should be looking at. Wow. So it, there you go, there you go. Sounds like she's a chip, a chip off the old block, Morris. <laughs> but she listens to the Tom Hartman program, too, sometime, okay. all right? Okay, uh, well, give her our best. Give her our best. And, and, and spot on, Morris, spot on. Thank you. Carol in uh, Valencia, California. Hey, Carol, what's up? Hey, good morning, Tom. Yes, you were talking about Second Amendment. And um, one of my recent readings, I think it might have been Colin Underwater, was talking about the fact that the, the uh, Second Amendment was a, a concession to the slave owners because they used the militia to go find their slaves. They, That's correct. They, they, yeah, there's two chapters about this in, in my book, The Hidden History of Guns and the Second Amendment. It was written right. the way it was. Originally, it said that um, the, the original language essentially gave the nation the power to call out the militia. And Patrick Henry, who was the largest slaveholder in the state of Virginia, went nuts and gave this speech about how there's over 300,000 blacks here in his phrase here in Virginia. And what will happen if they rise up? You know, will not the federal government use that as an excuse to end slavery? Blah, 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 blah. And so uh, James Madison changed the language to say a free state instead of a free nation. And, uh, you know, and, and it was a he was throwing a bone to the to the uh, to the southern states whose militias as, as were slave patrols. That's what we always do. We're fighting the Civil War. We've got yep. we've got a, we've lost the Civil War. Well, maybe, uh, but, but it's still being litigated. I'm with you, Carol. Thank you. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. in California. Hey, Patrick, what's up? You know, in your talks in the past about the Second Amendment, you've never mentioned this theory. Perhaps as a whole, we as a people have abused the right of the Second Amendment, and that it should be looked at from that point of view instead of just trying to clip at the tails with uh, gun control. Well, the Second Amendment authorized the states to establish militias, you know, citizen militias. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, the the Heller agreement. Yeah, but they're the not Heller looking at it from that point of view. dishonest. Right. They're not looking at it from that point of view. You know, they're only looking at it from that narrow view of the right of the people shall not be abridged. Or you know, if, if okay, if that's the case, then the people as a whole have abused the right. We've we've shown that we can't do, we can't have these these weapons and 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 keep them. Um, civilly 
Well, the, <laughs> the Second Amendment puts the whole thing in the context of militias, which is war, is army. I mean, the, the, yes. up until the 1980s, really, the Second there was no dispute about the Second Amendment. Everybody agreed. It had to do with the, the, the 1700s, number one. It had to do with, the, number two, it had to do with the debate about whether or not we should have a standing army during times of peace or whether the state militias would be enough to defend the United States. And, 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 and number three, that, that it was limited to that. I mean, it, it wasn't until the gun industry started heavily funding the National Rifle Association, this was actually around 1977, 78, um, the, that the NRA started getting piles and piles of money from the, from the gun industry and changed from being all about sports shooting and gun safety to being about promoting the so-called right to own a gun in America. I mean, this, was, this has been a 50-year campaign by one particular industry, the weapons industry, to claim that they have a special protection in the Constitution, which I don't see in the Constitution. And, and, and I've read the Heller decision. And I, in fact, I wrote a book about it, The Hidden History of Guns in the Second Amendment. And I think anybody who seriously considers it and reads that decision will see that it was just bogus. I mean, Scalia's whole argument was that back in the 1770s, one of the groups in Pennsylvania published a pamphlet in argument against the Constitution. It was an anti-federalist pamphlet against the Constitution saying that in the Constitution they wanted to put an amendment so that people could have guns to protect themselves. I mean, that was all he could find. He couldn't find any of the founders, any of the founding writings, any of the, you know, any of the debates at Constitution Hall in Philadelphia in the summer of 1787. He couldn't find anything to back up his theory other than this one bizarre, weird, obscure tract that nobody had ever heard of until Scalia put it into a Supreme Court decision. So is your point that we should be saying, okay, people, we gave you a right and you have misused it? You and have so abused it. Yep. Yeah, you have that abused it. That is what it. I'm saying. Okay, I you get it. it. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, frankly, I don't think it should be a right. We're the only developed democracy in the world that claims that having a gun is a right. At the same time, the Republican Party that wants you to have a gun, it wants to say, yeah, but you can't marry people, you know, whoever you love, and uh, you can't be who you are. And, I mean, it's, and you can't get an abortion if, you're, if you've been raped or if you, if you get pregnant through an accident or don't want to be pregnant. Our book today is Taking Bullets, Terrorism and Black Life in 21st Century America, Confronting White Nationalism, Supremacy, Privilege, Plutocracy and Oligarchy, A Poet's Representation and Challenge by Haki R. Madhubudi. This is from page 27, the chapter, Terror in the Midst of Prayer and Empire. He writes, In our perpetual state of national mourning, where our eyes are watered out and our hearts cease to heal at the rate the Creator meant them to, we hold hands in profound silence as we remember the Mother Emanuel Nine of Charleston, South Carolina, those nine mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers. Even before burying, before black earth covered their caskets, too many ministers, media pundits, and plain white and black folks downgraded the terror that quickened their deaths of our finest in this land to the mental illness and race hatred, in quotes, of a single young white man. He may have acted alone, but he was not alone in his thinking, encouragement, gathering of arms, warped consciousness, confirmation, or ahistorical views and yeses from the millions in the nation who proudly wear and display the Confederate flag above their hearts and fly it in all of its traitorous glory over a state capital and other institutions. 
Again, we find ourselves at war with history and culture, entertaining another call for a national conversation on race and a president weary of trying to make sense of and comfort the grief-stricken nation with words from the highest office of the land. This was written while Obama was president. These are the facts, not an opinion or the ignorant ranting of compromised preachers and television pundits. A 21-year-old white man, a citizen of South Carolina, walked into the sacred and spiritual home of the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church of Charleston, the historic home of black liberation fighter Denmark Vesey, and fatally killed nine of its members, including the pastor, during Bible study. This was a pure act of domestic terrorism. A modern-day lynching by a young white nationalist who coolly and calmly assassinated nine black members of Mother Emanuel. Domestic violence and acts of terrorism are on the rise in the United States, as detailed by Charles Kurzman and Daniel Shanzer in their New York Times op-ed, The Other Threat, where they state that, quote, the main terrorist threat in the United States is not from violent Muslim extremists, but from right-wing extremists, end quote. In their national research, local police agencies across the country identified, quote, the militias, neo-Nazis, and sovereign citizens as the major threat the nation faces in regard to extremism, end quote. All of this is homegrown with international connections. Morris Dees and J. Richard Cohen of the Southern Poverty Law Center also writes in the New York Times article, Racists Without Borders, that, quote, Americans tend to view attacks like the mass murder in Charleston as isolated hate crimes, the work of a deranged racist or a group of zealots lashing out in anger unconnected to a broader movement. This view we can no longer afford to indulge. When, according to survivors, Mr. Roof told the victims at the prayer meeting that black people were, quote, taking over the country, he was expressing sentiments that unite white nationalists from the United States and Canada to Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. Unlike those of the civil rights era, whose main goal was to maintain Jim Crow in the American South, today's white supremacists don't see borders. They see a white tribe under attack by people of color across the globe. The end of white rule in Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and South Africa, they believe, foreshadowed an apocalyptic future for all white people, a white genocide that must be stopped before it's too late. End of quote. The internationalization of terrorism is not a foreign theory in today's social media world. Dees and Cohen will be speaking at a conference in Budapest about this transnational white supremacism that is emerging as the world grows more connected technologically. The message of white genocide is spreading. Also, David J. Whitaker's terrorism, understanding the global threat, gives another view. Clearly, our rush to forgive this mass murderer within 96 hours of this supreme tragedy is misguided, anti-human, and does not allow for properly grieving the fallen. As perfectly scripted, displaying the permanent effectiveness of Christian acculturation on the Sunday, June 21, 2015 morning services of Mother Emanuel Church, the black Christians out-Christianed their white brothers and sisters. Before the morning sermon, the presiding elder, Reverend Norvell Goff Sr., found it necessary to thank the local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies for doing their job. He also stated, quote, A lot of folks expected us to do something strange and break out in a riot. Well, they just don't know us. We are people of faith, end quote. I find this statement inappropriate, insensitive, and ahistorical, implying whether he meant it or not, that the recent uprising and rebellions in Ferguson, New York, Cleveland, and other parts of the nation were riots and did not include black people of faith, and that somehow they were strange in their social, political, and economic activism. Informed people do not riot against injustice 
or white terrorism. They study, organize, and strategically struggle at all levels, in the streets, on the campus, in front of the White House, and in corporate boardrooms. Dylan Roof stated his intentions were to start a race war, and informed black leadership understands that we cannot pray this away or appeal to any law enforcement agency that all across the country, including Charleston, has been seriously compromised. To label black reaction to murder, terrorism, deep unemployment, substandard housing, etc., as riot is to blame the victim. The book, Taking Bullets. Johan in Los Angeles. Hey, Johan, what's on your mind? Yeah, people are talking about replacement theory and from the uh, Buffalo shooting and everything. Right. And you and I know that it's happening, going on for a while. But I think this is a rivaling movement for, like, population control. And one of the main right-wing guys, Ben Wattenberg, pointed out that what's coming down the road at us demographically is asking for some extra trouble, and it is uh, inflicted. And tell young white males to... See the guy who wrote the book, uh, The Birth Dearth? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, back in so the 80s. He uses the young, young white males to, like, if they decide not to have children or postpone childbearing until the opportunity runs out, they'll live to be very sorry. Right. They're using this to they kill all the non-white populations right now all over the country, and like, law enforcement doesn't do anything right now. Well, to- I think that's a slight exaggeration, but we are not dealing with this issue, and we have never dealt with this issue with the urgency it deserves. We completely reorganized our police agencies after 9-11 in response to Muslim terrorism. But we've got a much bigger problem in this country with white supremacist terrorism. I mean, you know, we had memorials, we had uh, events, we had, uh, you know, television programs, we we had investigations, we had, I mean, just massive amount of stuff around, oh my God, some Muslims attacked us. And, you know, sadly, the us increasingly, uh, or traditionally, I suppose, has not included minorities in the United States. And so the media coverage is like all weirdly skewed around it. But yeah, Johan, thank you. Jeff in Gurney, Illinois. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Yeah, hey, I'm just kind of thinking, Tom, you know, what are the, all these people, all these Trumpers, you know, what are, they go to these rallies, they get all excited about stuff. They had their rally, they had their fight there on January 6th and all this stuff, but they're not looking further down the pipe. In other words, so, okay, they want to clean out all the blacks and the Jewish people, which is, of course, not right. And what are they going to end up with? So they end up with, let's say, uh, something like hungry, but maybe worse. So what are they going to end up with? They're going to have taxes. They're not going to have Social Security. They're not going to have any health insurance that's, that's sponsored by the government. Right. But they're going to pay into programs. Yeah, you're going to end up with authoritarianism up? and nothing. You're absolutely right, <laughs> Jeff. And, and, you know, it's a good thing to point out to them. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Thanks so much for being with us today. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.
been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.